Welcome to Grades Don't Matter, a show about how two years of group work, sacrifice, and case studies showed us that asking better questions matters in business, in life, and in living. I'm your host, Doug Tolley. Today we're excited to have Emily Hellowell, the managing editor of Family Share, as our special guest. Emily, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Doug. It's good to talk to you. Yes, it's been a little while, and uh, we're excited to catch up with you today and talk to you a little bit about your BYU experience, but more importantly, what you've been doing since BYU. I think I remember correctly that you grew up in Salem, Oregon. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Capital. The capital of Oregon. Yeah, we all remember that from fourth grade. (laughs) How does a girl from Salem, Oregon end up at BYU? And you did your undergrad at BYU in communications, if I remember correctly. Yeah, that's right. I did. Uh, when I was looking for colleges to go to, my dad went to BYU and, um, so I applied there and a couple other places and was really, really fortunate to get in. Um, and so ended up going there for my undergrad. I studied communications and with an emphasis on public relations. Um, and after I graduated, I, um, I decided that I wanted to live in Washington, DC. So that's where I went. When you went out to to Washington D.C., did you have did you already have your uh, job at NPR lined up, or did you go out there without a job lined up? Uh, no, after I graduated, I graduated in the spring, and I spent the whole summer um, doing almost nothing, living at home. And then, but I was tell I had decided, you know, about January of my senior year, I decided that I wanted to live in Washington D.C. I'd never been there before. I knew nothing almost about it, but I just decided that that's where I wanted to go. So I started telling people that. And I graduated and I went home and, you know, people from my hometown are like, well, that's great. You finished. What are you going to do now? I was like, oh, I'm going to Washington, D.C. And then about July, I realized that if I didn't do anything about looking for a job in D.C., I probably would never get there. Um, so I started looking and I, then I would feel kind of embarrassed and sheepish because, you know, everyone would be like, well, I thought you were going to DC. And I was like, well, I never did. Anyway, so I started looking for jobs and jobs are hard to find when you don't have very much experience. Um, and so then I switched over and looked also for internships and I applied for an internship at NPR and I got it. And so about 10 days or so after I got the internship or got accepted for the internship, I headed out to DC, just flew out with my, you know, two suitcases. Wow. And you had a few different positions there. Um, what's the speaker's toolkit that you uh, mentioned? Uh, <laughs> that, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So I worked at NPR. I did internship and then I temped for a while at NPR and then finally I got a full-time job. I worked there for four or five years, and then I left, took a different job, um, and then two years later, my boss at NPR called me and said, hey, we have this job that we need you to fill in for for about six or eight months. And I was like, oh, well, I'm interested. Let's talk, you know, and it ended up being, it was a role where um, NPR had a speakers bureau. So a lot of the hosts and correspondents were always getting requests to speak at conferences and at member stations and give presentations and stuff. And they needed someone to to um, just help coordinate all of that, you know, work out all the logistics for the speaking event and make sure that the journalists knew where they needed to be when they needed to be there. And so part of that project was to 
put together this toolkit so everybody you know, the speakers and everybody would knew what was going on in the process. That's uh, that's fantastic. And I'm sure they do get a lot of requests to speak and and, uh, and go to corporate events and things like that. The other thing that I was fascinated about um, as I was doing a little bit of studying was how you helped NPR grow their social media presence. And I'm curious what kind of social media presence they had before you started on this project. Uh, I know that you grew, you know, the likes and the impressions and uh, and the uh, and the mentions on, on both uh, Facebook and in other places. Tell us a little bit about your uh, work on social media there at NPR. Yeah, that was a really fun, a fun time, a really fun project to work on. So I had been, um, I was working there, and um, one of my colleagues and I were sort of having a conversation and. Um, um, our department. So I worked in corporate communications, and we had a blog that was a corporate blog um, that somebody had set up. You know, everybody sets up a blog at some point or another um, to kind of put post stuff up there, maybe a press release or two or a story. Um, and but nobody was really paying any attention to it. No one on our team was really contributing to it. And we decided that we wanted some extra experience. We wanted to be editors. We wanted to write more. Um, we wanted to tell more stories about NPR. So we just decided in our free time, you know, to take this project on and started writing for it. And we were coming up with all these fun ideas, but we didn't have we didn't have enough time to write all the stories and we didn't have any money or any staff to to produce content for it. And so we started getting our other colleagues involved. So we found a lot of people who were um, a little bit underutilized, a little bit ready to jump up into that exposition, but of course, you know, didn't have quite all the right experience, needed some, needed some more work to do, wanted some more opportunities. And so we convinced them that this was a really cool thing and this is what you'd want to be doing. And we brought them all in based on all this excitement that we had generated for this blog. Um, and it was a really, really cool thing because we had we had contributors from all over the organization, like on the editorial team, on the administrative team, all the different parts of the organization. We just found people who um, found what we were doing exciting and interesting, and we gave them a lot of free reign. But we also took this role of editors really seriously um, to kind of create a something that was holistic and that brought in lots of different perspectives, but also had a similar voice to it. Um, so we built up this blog and had a pretty good following. And then around the same time, um, we wanted to um, turn our attention to other social media platforms. So my co-editor um, focused a lot on Twitter, and I focused on launching um, a corporate Facebook page. Um, so this is not like the editorial Facebook page that I'm sure at NPR that everyone's following. Um, but this was a page that was dedicated to like the super fans of NPR. Um, so we, we, you know, we pulled that all together. We did a bunch of contests. Um, we just, this is like the insidery look. If you love NPR, you want to see what the, what's going on behind the scenes. So you basically bootstrapped with no money and really no authority from anybody to go ahead and do this and created an entrepreneurial adventure, uh, entrepreneurial venture within NPR that, uh, became pretty big. I mean, 30,000 page views a month and 
uh, 66,000 likes and things. I mean, this, yeah. this turned into more than just kind of a fun little side hustle, but, uh, became kind of a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. It was really fun. And that was one of the great things that that's what I loved about the environment at NPR is that people were doing stuff like this all the time. Like you had a good idea, you put a little time and effort into it. And if it is turning out and getting, gaining momentum, then the organization itself really supports that. So, you know, this role as editor and, um, on the blog and on Facebook, you know, that ended up eating up a lot of my like traditional work time and my boss and other colleagues were super supportive of it because they could see that it was being successful. That's fantastic. So then you leave this great kind of entrepreneurial freedom ability to kind of do your own thing at NPR to come back to BYU where things are a little bit more restrictive. Uh, what made you decide <laughs> to uh, go from DC all the way back to, uh, as we sometimes say, inside the bubble in Provo? Well, I mean, leaving one bubble going to another, I guess, inside the beltway. Um, so yeah, so I worked in DC and lived there for 12 years and I loved it. I loved every minute of it. Um, but I got to a point where I just needed a change and I loved my time at NPR, and, but I had sort of, by that point, had some really great experiences, but out, I had outgrown it. Um, and so I started looking around and I had a friend who um, pointed me in the direction of um, an opening at BYU in the university, in university communications. It's part of the administration. It's doing promotion and publicity and public relations and communications for the university. Um, and I'd heard about the job and it was really interesting. It sounded really interesting to me. It sounded like just what I wanted to do. Um, I also was pretty interested in the head of the department is Carrie Jenkins, spokesperson for BYU. And I had been following her and her career since I was, you know, just started the PR program as an undergrad. And I just I, I just wanted to meet her. Like, that was really all I wanted in this sort of looking into this job opportunity. And so I applied just so I could get an interview and just meet her. And it like from day one, we just really hit it off. And she's been a really great mentor to me and a really great boss and a great friend. Um, anyways, we do the interview process and she offered me the job. And I decided that, you know, this was the challenge that I wanted to take on. That role specifically was focused on um, publicity for the for university events like graduation and also all the arts department's events, as well as starting up an internal communications program. So I'd done a lot of internal communications at NPR, but I wasn't ever the one in charge of it, you know. And so this was an opportunity to to kind of take what I've what I'd learned um, and start it somewhere else. Did you ever tell her that your goal was just to meet her? Um, I think I have, but now that you mask it directly, I'm not quite sure that I have. I should go back and tell her that. Yeah, that would be a fun story. So yeah. when when did this idea of grad school, of business school, uh, you know, getting an MBA, where did, where did that come from? Did that happen while you were at BYU or was it something you'd been thinking about even during your NPR time? Yeah, it actually was during my NPR time, probably three to five years. Well, actually, no. Even further back from that, like during my undergrad, younger than that, I just always knew that I wanted a master's degree, um, but I just never knew what I wanted it to be in. Um, and so I kind of was keeping an eye out for it and maybe 
three to five years before I left NPR, I got kind of more serious about it. Like, okay, well, if I was doing the master's program, what would it be? What would I want to do? Um, I thought a lot about master's in communications, um, and looked into the programs like that. Um, I took, took some additional classes to kind of see like, is this what really what I want to be doing? Is this where I want to go? Got advice from a lot of people. Um, and it just not masters communicate. I wanted to stay working in communications, and but that just didn't seem right. I had a degree in communications. Um, then I got a lot of advice that well, pick the industry you want to work in because, of course, when you're in communications, you can work in any industry. Um, you know, if you want to work in a hospital or you want to work in finance or something, um, get a degree in that field, and then you can use your communications experience to add on to the expertise that you've learned about that field. But I just didn't know I was, had been working in public radio. There's not like an advanced degree about public radio. Um, and I'd worked in tourism for a couple of years there. That one didn't quite seem right either. Anyway. So then I finally ended up on this idea that probably an MBA is going to be the best option for me because it's going to give me a lot of opportunities and flexibility that I can work, um, in any career in any field that I, you know, happened to find interesting at that time. Um, it would be broad enough, um, but it would give me some really specific um, experience as well to be pretty marketable. Um, so they took the, I took the GMAT. I studied and took the GMAT before I left NPR, before I'd even, a year before I'd even heard about the BYU job. Um, and then I was going to apply and I just, I don't know, I just couldn't, just wasn't right. Like I just wasn't finding the exact programs that I wanted. Things were getting really busy at work at NPR. Um, and so I was like, okay, I'll just put this off. My GMAT score is good for five years. I can apply again next year. And then the next year I got offered this job at BYU and I was like, okay, well, one of the great benefits of working at a university is you can take classes while you're working. So I came to BYU. I worked for a year. Um, and then I applied um, starting the second year or at the end of my first year, I guess, and got accepted to the program. That's fantastic. You know, I, I wondered that, uh, that a little bit because sometimes we choose BYU as students and sometimes BYU chooses us. Um, it sounds like, uh, maybe it was a little bit of both for you. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'll be honest, BYU wasn't necessarily my first pick. Um, not because I didn't love my experience and love the school, but because I thought maybe I wanted a different experience for my second degree. Um, but I'm so glad that I did it. And one thing that for me specifically, um, I was really, really concerned about taking two years, um, out of a job and out of a career, um, to go to school. I was worried about what, and I was worried about the financial commitment to that and the debt that I would be taking on. Um, and so I was pretty cautious. I wanted to do a master's degree, but I wasn't quite sure how I would feel comfortable doing it if I wasn't working, wasn't earning money and going into a lot of debt. Um, and fortunately I didn't, because I got this job at BYU, I didn't have to worry about any of those things. That's fantastic. So I, so anyways, I, I went specifically for the executive program rather than the daytime program. Yeah. So I could keep working. So that journey to BYU from from Oregon through Washington, D.C., and then back to Provo. Uh, quite, quite an amazing journey that you took, Emily. Um, <laughs> Thank you. I, and, and like I said, some of us choose BYU and sometimes BYU chooses us. As you were working there uh, and going to school, at some point, 
during the program, um, you switched to work for Family Share, which is where you uh, work today. Is that right? Yeah, I'd worked at BYU for about two years, and I was really happy, and I could see myself there longer. Um, but then I got a call one day from a friend who works at Deseret News and said, "Hey, you know, our sister company, Deseret Digital Media, has a project called Family Share, and they're looking for a managing editor. Would you be interested?" And I said, "Well, I mean, I'm pretty happy where I am, but..." I'm going to, I would love to hear what you have to say about it. And so I ended up talking to them over the course. We went back and forth probably three, four, five months um, talking about the position, what they were looking for, you know, my expectations. Um, and I finally decided that this was a, a new opportunity, a good opportunity that I wanted to try out. So I've been there for a little over a year now. And your responsibilities there specifically, uh, or what? Yeah. So um, I was hired to be the to oversee four websites. So Family Share is in four languages: English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Indonesian, which is interesting task in and of itself because I only know English. Um, but I have four site managers that are incredible and do really, really incredible work every day. Um, they're responsible for writing articles, publishing content. They have teams of contractors that they work with. Um, and my job is the editorial oversight, um, you know, the strategy and the planning for what we're doing, how we're doing it, making sure that, you know, our editors and our managers and writers get training um, and the resources that they need. Um, and that I, that I'm also coordinating with all of the other departments at Family Share, you know, with social media and distribution and sales and, um all the other different parts to make sure that we're all coordinated in our efforts. Um, so yeah, so that's what I've been doing. We're currently, we're in a little bit of transition where we're doing some rebranding work. Um, so that's also an exciting, it's also been an exciting time um, to kind of see what this next iteration of the product is going to be. You know, with interaction with all those different departments and overseeing so many different parts of the process, um, it sounds like getting an MBA was a perfect opportunity for you to learn enough about all of those areas to feel comfortable, I would assume, but then also to yeah. feel like you have the skills or the confidence to be able to walk into all those different kinds of meetings and uh, and, and not just be a, a listener, but be a real participant. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I don't know, it was probably six months into the job or something like that, I was at, it was part of a presentation team to our board, board of directors. And in the midst of the presentation, our CFO was, you know, doing a brief highlights of the financial statements. And he was talking through the credits and the debits and the expenses and revenue and, you know, cost of goods sold and all of these things. And I turned to my coworker and I was like so excited. And I was like, I know all those words that he's saying. <laughs> because, of course, we'd had finance and accounting classes, which, you know, when you're working in a PR field, like, yeah. Those things are important, but writing and words are much more important. So that's where most of my expertise was. Um, but I think that to the sort of the bigger question of that is the one thing that the MBA taught me was how to ask 
better questions and how to think critically, even if you are not the expert in the area, whether you're talking about finance or IT or distribution or whatever, that I, you're right, I have more resources and more expertise now just to be able to ask questions. Um, I might not know the answers or I might not um, be, I'm, I can't maybe, I can't make the decision about what those departments should be doing, but I can ask critical questions. It's such an important skill, not just in, not just in business, but in the rest of our lives to ask better questions. Um, it sounds like the MBA has benefited you. I mean, it, it, it started benefiting you during the program because you made the switch to this new job while you were still in school, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. It was really, really remarkable. I started this new job in October. We switched new classes, you know, in November. And every single class that I took from like November through graduation, like was a specific, I learned a specific um, tool or tactic that I could use in, um, in my work, like at that same time, it was like, um, like a total miracle how everything lined up perfectly. Like we were in a marketing class. I was in a marketing class and at the same time, given a new marketing assignment at work, I was having some, um, challenges with some staffing issues, right. When I was taking a class that was, you know, about organization development and HR, you know, it was so remarkable how every single class, like I couldn't have like made it work better than it did if I was trying. One of the professors and I talked a few times about the applicability of what you learn on Friday and Saturday and putting it right into practice yeah. on Monday. Um, it sounds yeah. like that happened for you in real time. Yeah, it was amazing. It was really amazing. Because, you know, at that point, you remember, like we were doing electives at that time. And so, you know, we had picked our electives nine or 10 months before, like, before I even knew that I was going to be taking this job, right? before I even knew about the job, I was picking these electives. And so it was just like, seemed so haphazard at the same time, lined up so exactly perfectly for me. Another thing that you've done to make the MBA really practical, I think, is that you've either sponsored uh, at uh, Family Share or participated in the Capstone Project. And I think now for the second time, is that right? Yeah, yeah, my own capstone project and for a class behind us. So tell us a little bit about what the MBA class has done in those capstone projects. For, first of all, a capstone project is kind of a, it's kind of the master's thesis project, if you will, for the Marriott School. Um, yeah. We, we, we are given a company with a specific problem, and then we're supposed to take our two years worth of group work and knowledge and expertise and resources from professors and kind of put together this project. Um, so what was the first capstone project that, that the school did for your company? And then what was the one that you just finished up, I think, just a couple of weeks ago? Yeah, yeah, just last week, actually. Um, so the first one, um, when I first started um, a family share, we did some, like I said, some marketing branding project um, for them. And then as as my colleague and I were working on that project, um, we were realizing that, you know, that you can... Then we were starting to outline what the following steps were for the project. Um, and we realized that one thing that the company really needed was to be able to measure impact. So we write a lot of articles, produce a lot of video content and other types of content um, that 
neat, that is somewhat uplifting, right? It makes you feel good. It makes you think more critically. It makes you want to do better in your life. Um, and so we knew things like how many people liked and shared our, our content, but we had no idea if they were doing it, if it was actually like making anyone better. Um, so we wanted ways to be able to measure the impact of what we were doing. So we tossed it out to the MBA program. And so for my personal capstone project um, with the, the handful of other really cool classmates that decided to work on it, we spent um, three months, I guess, going through maybe even less than that, two and a half months going through and looking at what industry best practices were, studying what Family Share was doing and what they wanted to do and made recommendations for um, how we, Family Share, the organization, could better measure impact. And it was such a great project to work on. Um, I learned a lot. I think our, my classmates learned a lot. And it was beneficial to the organization as well. So how, um, how so, do you measure yeah. impact? How, how, how's that done? I mean, were, were you able to come up with a tool or some metrics yeah, so we or what we created a tool for them. It was sort of a step stone, stepping stone where the easiest. So it was like the easiest things to do up to the things that would take more time and investment. So of course the easiest thing is to measure if someone liked your post or commented on your post, you know, those are things you can just easily get from Facebook and other social media platforms. Um, and the next thing would be, you know, analyzing, you know, ratio of shares to page views. Is there a common ratio that you should get? Um, and then all the way up to higher levels of engagement that, you know, you're involved, you're um, being involved in challenges and events and series and things like that. Um, so we just gave them this framework that like, there's, you know, five different types of engagement that you can get from your audience. Um, you need to be measuring in these five different areas. And here are two or three examples in those five areas about how to measure impact. Wow. So try to make it really like manageable. Like we gave them some really hard things to do, but also a ton of stuff that's like uh, pretty easy to implement. I assume they've done all the low hanging fruit. Have they attempted? Have you attempted at work any of the more difficult projects? Um, yeah, I think we have. And I think one thing that really helped a lot was that you know, this was a project that we all knew we needed to do. We all knew it was important, but nobody really had time for it. And so just to have someone do the legwork for you and just to get you thinking more critically about the work that you are doing. So we've had, we've definitely incorporated a little bit more, more into our discussions and in our workflow as well. Wow. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you've, you've given us a lot to think about, about how to practically apply the MBA into our lives, which I think is great. Uh, just a couple more questions as we kind of come to the end of our time. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you today, Emily. Um, so what advice would you give to someone who's maybe thinking about a BYU MBA? Um, gosh, that's a good question. Um, I think, okay. So I think for me, the BYU MBA was really the perfect program at the perfect time for me. Um, I was really ready to go back to school, and I was really excited about it. Um, and I had um, looked around and figured out this was the program that I wanted to do. Um, and so when I came into the program, I was ready for all of it, and I was really excited, and I loved being in class. I like it was like such a delight to go to class and to do the work, even to, like doing the homework. Like I was just so happy to do it. 
Um, and so I think for me that like, I'm going to like promote the BYU MBA cause it was a good experience for me, but, and also I worked for a time to promote BYU. So I'm going to say all of those things, but I'm also going to say that like, do the thing that works the best for you and the thing that you really, really want to do, because then it will be like such a, like a happy, positive experience um, while you're there and while you're in it. And if that means a BYU MBA, you should 100% do it. And then if it is, what if it's the BYU MBA or something else, that go in and like take advantage of everything, right? Like get to know your classmates, get to know your professors, like volunteer for things. Like I think. Um, I'm really grateful for the class experience and being really engaged, um, and learning. I was just so happy and excited to learn. Um, but also like I did a bunch of extra things too, right? Like, as you know, I was in the class presidency the second year, which I never planned on or expected to be. And then that ended up being in the alumni presidency of this currently this first year. And like that has made my BYU experience, my MBA experience so much richer and deeper because I've been involved. And, you know, as you know, we've had, we had a couple of things along the way where, um, we wanted to make the program better because we wanted it to work for us. And so I was able to be part of that process, which, um, made the experience much deeper for me. I'm not sure if everybody would believe this, but you're describing like this really hard school experience. That's like joyful and it's like a <laughs> refuge from your regular life and oh, you yeah. can't wait to get there on the weekend and it doesn't seem even though the work is hard it doesn't seem burdensome and i know that that's almost incomprehensible if people think about you know at a, a graduate degree um but i experienced the exact same thing i could not wait yeah. to leave work in fact instead of taking a half day on friday i just started taking fridays off so that i could just oh, yeah. get down to school early and so yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking about there's something uh kind of so great about that experience that you just you want to be even though it's a lot of hours you you'd like to be there even more hours if that was somehow possible so totally yeah and i think on a very practical level like I was really worried about this program overtaking my life, you know, right. I was like, I can't do that. Like work won't let me do that, you know, socially with my family, with other things that I just want to do in my life. Like I don't want it to be this burden. And so I spent time very, very early on in the first days and weeks of the program, getting my schedule down. And that's the cool thing about an MBA is that you know, you're doing this group work and they talk to you a lot at the beginning about relying on your classmates and your group, the people in your group. Um, as you know, we were in the same group together at the beginning. Yep. Um, that you, you like, you're there and you're dedicated when you're there, when you're in class, you're all, you're, you're totally focused. You're not letting outside distractions. You know, I often like tried to put my phone away. So I wasn't like distracted by messages. Um, when I was doing homework, it was like the two hours of time that I was doing homework and I wasn't doing other things during that time. And I, so I set up my life and my schedule to be able to allow me to do that. And so I was a much more able to be present in that moment. And yeah, it was hard. And there were times where I wish it wasn't there, I guess. But, and also when that time was done, when class was over, when my, when I had 
finished the two hour block of homework, I was done and I put it aside and I didn't worry about it anymore. Um, and I think being able for me to strike that balance really made it manageable and allowed it to be fun. I'm, I'm hearing you say that just be present. If you're, if you're at class, then be a hundred percent at class. And if you're in the group work, be a hundred percent in the group work. And, and then if you're back to your regular life, then be there and not worrying about other yeah. things. And, and, uh, I think that's really, really good advice. Last two questions. Um, what has the BYU experience done for you to help you grow outside of your job? I think a couple of things. It gave me, it gave me or reminded me, gave me confidence and reminded me what I'm capable of doing. I felt on the very last day of class, I felt so satisfied that I had done this super hard thing. I was so, felt so accomplished and I just could take on anything. Um, and I think the second thing is, I don't know if you were going to ask this or not, but, you know, at the last the last month of the program at BYU, at least in the executive program, you go on a two-week international business trip where you go and visit businesses. And of course, there's lots of sightseeing as well. And you spend this time with your, some professors and with your classmates. Um, and I think the whole, the whole MBA experience, and especially with that trip, um, I th- there are some things that happened on that trip and some visits that we went to that were a hundred percent life changing for me. Like I can't, like, I don't see the world and people around me in the same way. I hope anyways, that I see them in a better light. And I see myself as someone who can do good things, um, and benefit other people. And I think I, you know, like, I think that's an inherent quality that a lot of people know about themselves. But going through the MBA program showed me that that was really that that is actually possible. That uh, you're absolutely right, and I was lucky enough to be with you on that trip to the Middle East, and um, it was life changing. Uh, we can't unsee what we saw, we can't unfeel what we felt, and uh, we shouldn't be the same person that left uh, on the second week of May as we were when we got back on the four- third or fourth week of May. So you're absolutely right, and and I hope that. For everybody, that the BYU experience was the same, that that they can see the growth that took place over those two hard years. And uh, like you, I emerged on the other side saying, I'm not the same and I don't want to be that person that I was before, which was a pretty good person, but, but <laughs> yeah. I'm now, but I'm now, you know, significantly better. Um, yeah. You know, it's funny because as we kind of wrap it up, then it takes me all the way back to the beginning of our show, which is called Grades Don't Matter. And that of course, comes from the very first week of school. Uh, Mm -hmm. If you remember, Professor Stice told us, I've seen this before, I know how this ends, and your grades don't matter. What matters is the learning. Uh, I think that's true. Uh, What's your thought now, Uh, you know, a couple years removed from from Professor Stice telling us the grades don't really matter, it's really about the learning. Um, I I, I think he was on to something. He's very smart. Uh, but what's your, what's your thoughts about that, that, that really what matters isn't, isn't how you score, but, but kind of what you learn and take away from the program through the experience. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Um, and I'm glad we had Professor Stice at the beginning and I'm glad he said that because we were all pretty freaked out at the beginning, you know, but he was really helpful especially in that time. Um, yeah, the grades don't matter. And I think that, I think the more I think about that, the, 
you know, the specific small things I do, sort of tactical things you kind of have to get done in a day or in a month or in a lifetime that I should spend less time worrying about that stuff and more time worrying about, um, you know, who I want to become, the type of person I want to become. Um, and that you get a much richer, fuller experience about it. I mean, that's why I love the program so much because I didn't worry about my grades. Like I worried about, I wanted to learn things. I wanted to read everything that I could. I wanted to experience everything that I could. Um, and I think if I can remember that in my life, you know, when things get busy and stressful, that I'll probably make better decisions and I'll probably make better, make better choices and choose things that really are more fulfilling. Well, that's, uh, that's a great idea, and I hope that all of us can do that. I, I agree. Uh, stop worrying about the details, the score, if you will. Stop worrying mm-hmm. about the score and just kind of enjoy the experience. And, and, then, and then you said, you know, what can we give back? And we've enjoyed our time uh, in school, but also as, a, as our alumni group. And, and so that's all been very, very rewarding. Um, this has been a fun conversation, Emily. Thank you very much. Thank you, Doug. Uh, Emily Hellowell, the managing editor at Family Share, and uh, she's been sharing with us today some of her experiences uh, in getting to BYU, uh, her experiences through her undergrad and graduate school uh, at BYU, and uh, and some of the lessons she's taken throughout the rest of her life. Uh, we'll talk to you again the next time uh, we get together on Grades Don't Matter, uh, a show about two years of hard work and what it means for the rest of our lives. 